Voice America Talk Radio Network. It's time to stop focusing on business problems and start focusing on the growth and leadership of your business. Welcome to The Business Edge with your host, Marsha Zeidel. Learn to create a growth agenda to get your business on the right track and keep it there. Rev up your growth engine with exceptional talent and develop the right kind of leadership to move it forward fast. Now, here is Marsha Zeidel. Welcome to The Business Edge, giving practical advice to entrepreneurs and business leaders and how to take their company, firm, or practice to that next level with less stress and more success. In other words, how to take the growing pains out of growth. I'm Marcia Zeidel, your Smart Moves Coach, getting you on the right track and making sure you don't get sidetracked in your drive for high performance and profitability. Today's program is the five deadly sales mistakes people make. Whether you are a business person who needs to get your message across or a salesperson who needs to close large complex sales, today you will learn how to get in the door, move the conversation along, and get that deal. At the end, you'll be able to say, wow, that's easy. My guest Nancy Kramer is a unique expert in sales, having worked with business executives with no sales experience to rubber meets the road sales force of every description. She's therefore able to take the best global practices and sales dynamics and distill them for any size or any type business. Nancy is a highly sought after speaker who provides popular and unique approaches to increasing the top line. One other thing you should know about Nancy is that she was featured in Comeback Moms by Monica Samuels, a nonfiction book about how women balance work and careers. Welcome, Nancy. It's a delight to have you on the program. Thank you so much, Marcia. It's glad to be here. So let's get started. Uh, Nancy, what's the first common mistake salespeople make? Well, there's a mistake that salespeople make, and it's also a mistake that that business leaders make when they're trying to you know sell their company or their service to a potential client. And that is that sales needs an autopilot policy. Uh, you know, people tend to think that an ex- an effective salesperson is just gregarious and outgoing, and the re- reason they're successful is because they talk to as many people as possible. And while that can be very true, what they're missing is that sales is a highly procedural discipline. And it's the good news is that's something anyone can master. Uh, managing the sales role, whether you're dedicated to just sales or you're also trying to manage a lot of different things, managing the sales role does require having a system, a system for prospecting, qualifying, following up, and closing sales. Uh, a well-oiled sales machine whether it's in a very large company or a very small company, has a perfect day, week, and month where every necessary step in the process is scheduled. Uh, time is scheduled for emails, phone calls, networking, follow-up. You know, Jeffrey Gittimer recommends not just managing your time but allocating your time. So there's, as we all know, only 168 hours in the week. The best thing you can do for your business is protect your time assets the same way you would your financial assets and allocate them very diligently. This means not just creating to-do lists, but scheduling your gotta-dos. When you put something off of the to-do list and onto your calendar, that's when you make things happen. 
Well, you know, that sounds very interesting, but it also sounds like a lot of work. Is it? Well, initially, to get things set up and to get a procedure set up for your company, it does take a little bit of work. What's interesting, though, is once you have it set up, that work lessens. You know, also remember that decision-making is an energy-intensive process. So the more decisions you have to make on a day-to-day basis, the more energy you burn. In sales and in life, it's best to reduce the number of decisions that have to be made. Here's an example. One Saturday afternoon, my grandfather, who was a very successful businessman, was helping a friend at the barbecue grill. You know, Saturday afternoon in there out grilling. He noticed his friend's pensive look, and, and my grandfather said, you know, Ray, what's got you so perplexed? And Ray responded, I'm trying to decide if I should go to church tomorrow. Well, my grandfather replied, well, Ray, you just decide once that you're going to go to church every Sunday, and then when Sunday comes around, you put your clothes on and you go to church. Now, what my grandfather was referring to was the autopilot principle. The more functions you can put on autopilot where they're done automatically, the less stress that you put on yourself and energy that you expend on making unnecessary decisions. So once you've developed a routine calendar and you've decided that you're going to do it that way every time, then you're going to save time and energy. Uh, This takes the thinking out of your day, and it leaves you available to direct your energy to creative ways for you to meet your clients' needs. Wow. You know, I love that story. You've told that story before, and I, I, I will always remember about your grandfather. And it's just a great idea, that autopilot. What else can you do to make life easier? Well, the second tip I like to share with my clients is to control the sales process. So once you've got your procedure set up and you've gotten in to meet with a client, now it's time to continue to move them through the process. We hear people talk about the sales funnel. But what's important is that the person who's responsible for sales for your company continue to move people actively through that funnel process. So treat the process of, of getting additional business as you would any other project to be managed. A lot of business owners are really good project managers. Given that, they know that they have to have a critical path. All these things have to occur by a certain period of time for us to meet our deadline. Well, you can apply that same discipline to the sales process and then use, you know, decide what the critical path is, what the deadline is, and plug in what all needs to happen. You get the deadline from your client. When do you need to have this decision? When does this need to be done? When do you need to have it implemented? And then you plug all the individual pieces in along the way. When I was with IBM, this was critical because you have to have a, a data center had to be converted very quickly. And so uh, you would have to very specifically time out when products were going to be delivered and when engineers were going to be implementing things so that you could switch the lights from one processor to the other without it impacting clients. You see that a lot in IT. You can do it with really any sales process. Well, you know, you must be excited when you see people improve with your help. Can you give a specific example of how it's worked? Well, yes, I can. One of my all-star clients, I just finished having a a meeting with them a few minutes ago. Uh, They implemented a a quick strategy, and that is to always finish all meetings with next steps. So whether you're talking to a client or you're working internally, what are the next steps and what are the deadlines for those next steps? And by using that process, 
that I learned from project management. But by using that process in their sales organization, they found an additional $100,000 in business just within three months because they continued to move people through the process using next steps and deadlines. Um, you know, that's very valuable advice. Um, but can we move on uh, to the next sure. mistake uh, that you've seen over the years in your sales? Mm-hmm. Certainly. And, okay. Yeah, so what uh, it, the next mistake that I've seen is, and, and I am so surprised when I see this because it's not my nature, but I do know that it is the nature of other people, and that is that there is a tendency of people to be afraid to introduce themselves. Uh, Zig Ziglar, you know, the famous um, sales master said that timid salespeople have skinny kids. And that's an important part to remember, that if you're timid about your business, and if you don't have the confidence to reach out to people and, and help people see the light of what value you bring to the marketplace, then you're not going to make any money and you're not going to make any sales. So sales does require reaching out and meeting new people and making a business connection. And some people find this very difficult. But that's something that's easily resolved, even with introverted people. Uh, talking to people can be very simple. First, it requires um, overcoming limiting beliefs. Uh, you know, when we were kids, we were all told, you know, don't talk to strangers. Uh, you know, that's probably great advice for a five-year-old. But if you're going to get business for your company, it's, it's really terrible advice. After all, we aren't five years old anymore. I have a motto. A stranger is just a friend I haven't met yet. Think back over all the people you now know. Can you remember when you met them? You didn't know them when you were born, so you met them somehow. So you see, it's possible. It's possible to reach out and meet people. As long as you see that possibility, then you can have the belief. Once you see how you've met people before, you can have the belief in yourself to meet people in the future. And part of that is also internal as well. I have an attorney friend who admits that upon first meeting her, she gives off the impression, you know, approach with extreme caution. You know, this does not have to be you. Uh, the key is to have some good, provocative questions ready for any situation and have the confidence and openness to be interested in other people. And that really is key. You know, I was working with a father and son team, and the father had been selling life insurance for 40 years, and he'd always had someone who brought him leads. You know, this was the old days when, you know, you could have some, one person bring leads and the other person do the closing. Uh, now, his son had just left uh, an early career in education to join the family life insurance firm. I was brought in to teach the young man business basics and how to sell. After several sessions with the young man, I sensed that there was a deeper issue, and I had a meeting with the father and the son. The father leaned back in his chair and informed me that he and his son did not talk to people whom they had not been formally introduced. It's just not in our nature, he insisted. Well, I had to tell them that this belief system would severely limit their ability to sell insurance. After some work, I gave the son an assignment. I said, go out today and talk to three people you have never met. He was nervous, but he now believed in himself, and so he tried it. The first person he spoke to was a man at the gym who happened to be the bank president for the largest bank in town. So that one conversation has resulted in dozens of leads. You know, that's, that is so important to know because whether you're in sales or in managing or in leadership 
um, we all carry with us limiting beliefs that stop our progress, that get in the way of success. So I think what you're saying is so important. And for our listeners, are there additional limiting beliefs that salespeople have and even leaders have? Yes, there is. And that the limiting belief I would be thinking about is that all conversations with strangers are classified as flirtations. Now, this can be regional in focus, but uh, there are people who think that if you approach a stranger, you're flirting with them. You know, recently I attended a workshop here by a woman who promoted herself as the dating diva, and the seminar was entitled How to Flirt. I went against my will, I'll let you know. But after listening to her describe how to smile, look someone in the eye, and say hello, I raised my hand and I said, uh, you know, I'm a sixth-generation Texan, and uh, what you're talking about, I don't consider flirting. I just call it being nice. The, the South is known for having very nice people, and this is why. What others consider flirting, we just consider being nice, and it's often referred to as Southern hospitality. This is vastly... Be- is this quickly is becoming a networked world. And I think there's a lesson for everyone to learn from this discipline of Southern hospitality. And here's the secret. Show a real interest in other people. This is not disingenuous or, or a fake interaction. It needs to come from a place of honest curiosity. You know, the process is to smile genuinely as you look someone in the eye, say hello and, and mention something. It, and, mainly something to get them talking about them. For the most part, people do want to talk about themselves. So ask them a question, you know, this was an interesting speaker. Well, you know, what nugget of information intrigued you the most, for example? You know, and notice their response and match them. If they don't hold eye contact, then you look away a bit. You know, if they look at you intently, then do the same. You know, follow this, the same advice with voice and body language and You know, surprisingly, some people do come to networking events and don't want to talk. And if you don't get any response, you know, understand that they're probably just not comfortable with themselves and move on. I actually have a friend who's a master conversation starter, and she's at at least two times that I've known her where she wasn't able to engage somebody. So it happens to the best of them. Just move on. But the idea of this approach you know, can send some people into a panic because they've, we all have wound up in a situation where we get stuck in a conversation we can't get out of. One of the underlying reasons this uh, may be is that people don't know how to break off the conversation. If you know how to break off the conversation, then you feel comfortable getting into the conversation. And really simple techniques can be used. You can shift your body away from the other person. You can release eye contact or end the conversation with a laugh or a smile. You know, there's a few easy ways to break away and and move on to other people. And, of course, you can always use the I need to refresh my drink or um, I I need to, uh, to head out kind of excuse. You know, Gail Carnegie said, you can make more friends in two months by becoming interested in other people than you can in two years by trying to get other people interested in you. You know, what a great quote. And didn't Dale Carnegie write a book, How to Influence People? Isn't that one of his yeah, how to major... How friends and influence people, absolutely. Yes, and that is a classic, is it not? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Well, um, you know, it's going to be time for a short break. Uh, we are going to move on to the third mistake, but right now, um, let's take a short break. This is Marcia Zidal, Smart Moves Coach. You're listening to the Business Edge on Voice America Business Channel. When we return, Nancy will get into the third mistake. Can't wait to hear that, Nancy. <music> 
Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Is your business model robust enough? In today's ever-changing business environment, people are working to transform themselves, their futures, and their business. Tune in to Business Reinvention with your host, Nancy Lynn. To stay ahead of the game in business, you have to constantly reinvent yourself and your organization. With Nancy's experience and that of her guest experts, you'll learn from stories of inspiration, innovation, and forward thinking. Listen for Business Reinvention, live every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. Do you want to know what's really going on these days? Well, Capital Thinking takes you inside the worlds of policy, politics, law, and business. What happens in Washington, on Wall Street, and in our nation's legal system impacts your business every day. We're taking you on a behind-the-scenes tour of all of it. Each week, we bring you unfiltered conversation with a variety of influential policymakers, lawyers, and business leaders. I'm Kevin O'Neill, and I'm your host as Capital Thinking tours the halls of power. Join me for Capital Thinking on the Voice America Business Network each Thursday at noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific Time. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Business Edge with Marsha Zidel. To reach Marsha or her guests on today's show, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send us an email to Marsha at smartmovescoach.com. Now, back to The Business Edge. Welcome. This is Marsha Zidel, your Smart Moves Coach for the Business Edge, and we're talking with Nancy Kramer, who is a sales expert, and she's been talking about the top five mistakes salespeople make. And now we're moving on to that third mistake. So, so Nancy, tell me more about that third mistake. Well, yes, I'm, you know, whether I, I really think that everyone is in sales, whether they are a an official salesperson or they're a business owner or you know the frontline customer service person, everyone's got something to sell. But there's some mistakes that people make, and uh, you know we've talked about two already. But the third one is talking too much. You know, according to Thomas Jefferson, a genius is being able to say in one word what could be said in two. So the sure sign of a novice business person is someone who does all the talking and doesn't have insightful questions. When when I was with IBM, we used to call this data dumping. You know, data dumping is when someone tells absolutely everything they know about their subject, just hoping that something is of interest, you know, instead of tailoring their message to the recipient. I just... Was, came out of a meeting with a client, and they were relaying a story. They, they do both operations and sales, and they're the owners of the company. And so my client got a phone call uh, at her desk, and she picked it up, and she was really sorry she did because some the person on the other end of the line immediately launched in to an entire conversation, an entire sales pitch. Never did they ask, you know, what does your business do? You know, what kinds of things are you trying to accomplish? And it was something to get them to use uh, this party for a uh, promotional material. 
and they never ask, you know, what are your marketing goals? You know, what are you trying to do with the company? Where are you trying to go? None of those questions were ever asked. The lady just launched into, you know, like she was doing a radio show. She just launched right into it and never asked any questions. To say the least, they're not going to do business with that company. So here this company has hired someone who's, you know, very salesy to get on the phone and be salesy, but the problem is that they're not interacting with the client the same way you would face-to-face. Surprisingly, though, I see this happen in face-to-face situations as well. The client will say, well, one of my major concerns is safety. And before they even have an opportunity to elaborate on what they mean by that, the person launches into all the reasons why their company is the safest one on the planet. And that's where people make a huge mistake. It's important to give people the information that they need in order to make a decision. But that requires asking questions and finding out what the people need to know in order to make that decision and not assuming that you know what their decision-making criteria may be. You know, why launch into a conversation about how long your company's been in business if that's not something that's important to the person who's making the buying decision? So it's very important to ask the questions, what are the goals for your company? Try to determine where your product fits in with what that company is trying to do. And the more you can do that, the more stickiness you have with your product once it's sold. Well, you know, I, um, I draw the analogy because I think sales is like coaching. Good coaching, good coaches ask powerful questions and then they listen. And I think salespeople also have to do that as well. Um, and so I would like to move on to the next thing because I think one of the problems that you and I have discussed is that, that many people who go into sales or even are looking for a job, um, they're uncomfortable with self-promotion. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes there's a fine line. They may think it's arrogant or, or narcissistic. But I think you have discussed with me that there's a fine line between confidence, being confident, and being arrogant. Um, can you talk to, uh, to, uh, to the listeners about that? Uh, yes, I certainly can. Uh, you know, there is a fine line between arrogance and confidence, and, and some people actually push that line uh, to the extreme, and it's okay sometimes to cross it as long as you know that you've crossed it and you can step back over the line. But, you know, it's not arrogance and narcissism if you are providing value to your potential client. That's what we're looking for in the sales process is what value do I bring to the client? So when marketing your services, if you focus on the other person, how much information do they need and what benefits will they realize by working with you? In addition to being able to articulate what you offer that no one else can, if you can say all that and cite examples of people you've helped, in similar situations, then you're meeting the client's needs instead of your needs to get your product or your service sold. And if you can say what benefits you have to offer and what other people have uh, used you, and if you can say all of that in less than 50 words, 
you know, following Thomas Jefferson's point, then you're not thumping your own chest. You're bringing your years of experience and education to the marketplace in order to help people. What's really important here to know is how to tell a tall tale in short order. Uh, this will leave time for your client to talk. You know, we live in a world where people have the attention span of an ad. So when working with clients, we help them customize their story so that they can tell it succinctly and with a point. When I was selling HR services for ADP, I had a story that I would tell to get the attention of business owners. Now, I was calling on businesses with uh, less than 300 employees. Usually the business owner, that company is their baby. So I knew I needed to address them in a way that let them know that I understood their business, I understood their concerns, and to hit them with an emotional punch. So this is how I would do that. I would say, you know, what do the numbers 50, 300, 144 million, 18, and 1 have in common? Now, I can ask you that, and you can think about it for a minute, but you're not going to come up with the right answer, so I'll go ahead. Uh, I fill in the gaps. Here they go. It took my grandfather 50 years to build his business to 300 employees, making $144 million a year. It took about 18 months for the federal government and all the attorneys to shut him down for one wrongful termination suit. Now, do you want to talk about the HR issues in your company? Now, if I was talking to a business owner, that story had impact. Every company has a story like that that can be told in a nutshell with impact. Now, could I have made that story into a novel? Trust me, it was my family. It could be a, it could be a movie because it was a bunch of cast of characters. Could I have made it into a, a, a dissertation and taken an hour to explain every detail? Yes, I actually did a case study on that for a university program. Uh, but that's not what my client needs. They don't need a novel. They don't need a case study. They just need to know that they are at, they could be at risk and I'm there to help them alleviate the employer related risk. So that was the point of the story. So I help clients tailor their company message in a way that they can tell their company story without beating people over the head with it. They can make a point and move on. Now, once you've got your story and you've got in the door and now you're going to ask a lot of questions, like you said, it's like good coaching. You've got to ask a lot of good questions. It's important to know the psychological aspects of the person you're talking with, at least have a, a general read on what kind of person they are, because that will tell you how much information to give. In uh, Chuck Bauer's book, Sales Mastery, he describes the different personality styles and the level of information they need. And it's a very valid point. People who are directors, for example, and not to, not to get overly uh, not to generalize people too much. P- people fall into different categories at different times uh, and in different roles of their lives. But if somebody is a quick decision maker, they don't need or want a lot of information. On the other end of the spectrum, if somebody is a thinker, somebody's got to know all the numbers, somebody's got to know all the details, they'll want to know more than you know about it. You'll be having to bring in specialists and bring in all kinds of backup documentation. So the point being, know what kind of person you're talking to, and there's more variations of different types of people in there. 
but those are the two extremes of the spectrum. And tailor your message and your product messaging to the person uh, and their personality type. Well, you know, Nancy, I'm so happy you mentioned that because a future guest will be talking about personality types, communication types, how to, how to get your message across to them, and how to influence them. And I just have a little quick story before we take our next break, and we'll get to number four or five. Years ago, I was brought in by the HR department to uh, do a training program for a um, uh, a company. And the HR people are people people. And so I got along with them fine, and we chit-chatted, and we told stories and everything. But the person who was the decision maker, he was the much more direct type, and I started out, this is before I knew about personality styles, I started tra- talking to him and communicating to him based on the HR folks, not on the direct leader f- type folks. And I could tell he was, he wanted to get to the point, get to the point. He started looking at his watch. I picked up the cues from him and then I went into what I was trying to influencing him, telling him about the training program. Now that I'm much more aware of those personality styles, and I think it's so important for salespeople. Don't you agree, Nancy? That they, I absolutely that, agree. Yeah. And, I, and it's really, what's really tragic is how many people in the beginnings of their business career will get in front of somebody like that who hammers them for move on, move on, move on, and they go, oh, I can't sell. You see how people develop this belief system? It's not that they couldn't sell. It's that they weren't flexible enough to be able to adapt their style to the person they were talking to. Somebody who's successful in sales, whether they are professional or not, is flexible in their communication style, and they match as closely as they can the person they're communicating with. So that's where you could have developed a really negative belief system right there that you couldn't sell, but that would be totally untrue, and you did the right thing. You adapted to Mm -hmm. his sales style, and you could have just as easily have been on the opposite end of the spectrum and had somebody who just kept saying, give me more information, give me more information, give me, and you're going, (laughs) why, what's the matter with this guy? (laughs) There's nothing the matter with him, it's just his style or her style is to ask for more information. I have a... uh, Uh, Can uh, I interrupt? Can you hold that thought for just a you know, until we get back for, because it's break time, and it's time for a short break. Um, This is Marcia Zeidel, Smart Moves Coach. You're listening to The Business Edge on Voice America's Business Channel. When we return, Nancy will move on to the fourth and fifth mistake. Can't wait to hear that, Nancy. Thank you. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. 
Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, for the Money Answers Show on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Business Edge with Marsha Zidal. To reach Marsha or her guests on today's show, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send us an email to Marsha at smartmovescoach.com. Now, back to The Business Edge. This is Marsha Zidal. The uh, Smart Moves Coach with Nancy Kramer, um, a sales expert, and we were finishing up the third mistake of five that uh, salespeople make, and why don't you, you had a story to tell, why don't you tell that story and then go on to the fourth mistake? Yes, I was going to tell you a story about a, a chief financial officer that I, I uh, had a lot of work that I did with, you know, I... I spent a lot of time selling into the financial market, which is a market that really scares a lot of people because they are so information laden. And um, my client, I said, you know, what was the secret to your success? Because he's been very successful. And he said he always took his time to make a decision, and he made sure he had all of the information he could possibly need. And while everyone else was pushing him, make a decision, make a decision, he wouldn't do it until he felt comfortable that he had considered all possibilities. Then he would make a decision. If it turned out that it wasn't a good decision, he'd say, well, I made the best decision I could with the information I had available at the time. So that's what made him comfortable. He was highly analytical. Uh, so with that person, you keep giving them information. The good news for a business person is once that person has decided to use you, they're going to stay with you. That's your most loyal customer because they don't want to go through that process again. So back up, relax, and continue through the process with them, and you'll have a very loyal customer. And there's another issue around how much information you give to people and how you approach sales, and that is that there's been a lot of change in the Internet's brought a lot of change to sales uh, recently. And now research is showing that people have 60% of the information they need about what they want to buy before they ever even call a vendor. This is real important to realize because now it's, it's no longer consultative sales where you just go in and you say, you know, what, what are your needs and what are the focus, what's the focus of this project and, and, and that sort of thing. By then they've already pretty much made their decision and they just are going to talk to you about price. It's important to be ahead of the game and we're winding up with more futuristic salespeople and that is they're looking at the industry, they're looking at the economy, they're looking at what's going on in the world and instead of coming in and asking their customers, so what keeps you up at night? They come in and they ask their customers, do you know what should be keeping you up at night? 
and then they have the answer. This is where the market's going. This is what's going to happen, and this is how it could impact your company. And, oh, by the way, this is what we do to help in that situation. So that's real important to know when you're looking at what kind of information. Don't just come in and talk a lot, but be very pointed with what you have to say and listen, listen, listen. That brings me to the fourth point, and that is mind reading. And uh, and mind reading is something, that's the fourth mistake I see people make a lot. You know, I do mm-hmm. a lot of consulting with salespeople, so I actually go out in the field with them. And I go out on calls with them, and, and I'll be the silent sales manager and observe what they do. And then afterwards, they get to tell me what they did right and what they think they did wrong, and, and then they get to hear what I think. And uh, in that process, I see a lot of salespeople will say, oh, they'll interrupt a person midstream and say, oh, I know what you're about to say. And I'm thinking, no, 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 you're going to ruin this. You don't want to say that. Or they'll say, uh, well, you must be thinking. Well, no, you don't know that. Or I just had um, somebody that I'm doing business with recently. I I sent a, a quick uh you know, a quick response to them that said, you know, I need some information. And they sent back this long thing. Well, you must be thinking this and this and this because you asked that. And so that makes me assume this and this. It was this long thing. And I just sent back one quick one-liner and said, nope, you're totally off base. That's not what I was thinking at all. So they had made it into some big, huge deal. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it didn't really have to be. You, you can't read people's minds. And for some people, that's really startling information. But you you can't know what they're thinking. You can have a guess. You know, if you've been selling your product long enough, you know what the typical questions are. You know what the typical responses are. But let them say it. Even if you think you know, let them express themselves. One of the biggest human needs is the need to be heard. So give people an opportunity to feel like you are listening to them and, and that you want to hear what they have to say. You know, I have an exercise that I do with my clients to show them that they can't really mind read. And you can look at a picture and, and think you know what that person's thinking, but you really don't. Uh, so a lot of things get taken out of context. Well, you know, um, Nancy, um, what you're saying is so powerful because I can relate it to the leaders that I work that I work with and coach. That uh, many of these direct leaders, in fact, I'm coaching one, and he realizes that um, he he assumes what what one of his workers is thinking. Um, he doesn't uh, listen intently. He interrupts, um, and he knows this. But and he's trying to change it because it is affecting that working relationship between the leader and the person he's leading. And I'm I and I would see the same thing with the salesperson and the person they are selling. You have to be able to stop, ask a question, listen, find out if they want lots of information or little information. So I think that is great. Um, and I like the term mind reading. Um, so. And we all do it. I think we all do it, and we have to catch ourselves. So what is the cure for this? What is the anecdote? Well, the ana- there's several. Well, the first one is to suspend your 
beliefs about body language because body language is not necessary. We've debunked a lot of the whole body language thing. Just because someone's arms are crossed doesn't mean that they're mad. It may mean that they're cold or, or any number of things, or it may just be that they have short arms and that's the only way they are being comfortable. So um, don't just assume that you know what they're thinking. Now, of course, there's some extremes. You can pretty much tell if somebody's angry or upset, but it also helps to ask, you know, uh, the first step is also to suspend judgment. This is really important, and it's viral in our in our culture to automatically jump to conclusions. This person means this. This person's being mean. This person means me harm. This person's just being a put in whatever expletive you prefer. If you'll stop yourself from deciding that you know what they're thinking or, or and stop the temptation to believe that you know that they have some kind of unkind or evil intention, then, then you can allow yourself to think of other options of ways to respond. Now, that doesn't mean that maybe, maybe, you're right, maybe that initial response is right and you may decide to agree with it, but suspend it for just a bit. And this will eliminate the knee-jerk reaction. You suspend that judgment for a minute and ask yourself this. What's the positive intent that this person has for this behavior? You know, in neurolinguistic programming, there's a presupposition and a belief that all behavior has a positive intent for the person behaving. Now, that doesn't mean that it's working for them. <laughs> Not all behavior is working for them well, but it does mean that somewhere deep inside there is a positive intent. So if you can try to figure out, you know, what the positive intent is, one of the ways you can do that is say, you know, I'm surprised you say that. What makes you say that? Uh, you know, that, and if somebody's being particularly, um, abrasive, you can say, you know, I, I, it's interesting because when I hear that, I, I feel, you know, uncomfortable. What, what would make you say that? Or why would you respond that way? And then you can get deeper into what's really happening. What are they trying to accomplish? And then you can figure out a way to accomplish what they want without provoking them. Because when you've judged them, you've judged them as an evil person or you've judged them as a mean person, then you don't allow them to be a kind person. You've already made a judgment. So if you leave your mind open to other interpretations and intentions, then you just eliminate the knee-jerk responses. And, of course, then you ask, you know, what do you think? How does that sound? If you're in a client situation, you know, I, I mentioned, you know, you can ask permission do you mind if I, if I say one thing? Pause. Uh, what I hear you saying is that you don't like the way this happened. Am I right? And so you can give them what your interpretation is, but you're checking to see if you're right. And then that gives them the opportunity to respond in a logical manner. It helps take a lot of the emotionality out of, of conflict. Uh, so, and then the third step is to listen. So many people don't listen. When you stop the internal dialogue that's going on inside your head and focus on the other person and what they're really saying, you can be so much more effective. Here's a key to know if you've got internal dialogue going. If you have a nervous tick of some kind, that like you're flipping your pencil, you're curling your hair, you're tapping your toes while someone else is talking, that could be an indication that you're talking to yourself and you're not listening to what they have to say. 
Calm your body down. Calm down your physiology. Take in a deep breath and listen. And then take in another deep breath and count to five before you respond. And you may be surprised at how much more effective your interactions are. And and that, that pausing and taking a breath, that means you're thinking. That's giving you your mind an opportunity to think of the possible responses that you have and then come up with the best one. And your mind works quickly. You can do this. And here's an exercise I got from one of my clients. You know what, Nancy? Um, yes. I hate to, to – to, um, can you hold that sure. exercise and can we go on to the fifth one? And then if we have time, we can come back to that. So what is the fifth mistake? Well, um, the fifth mistake that people make is not getting help. You know, and I think you heard that on the, the program that was on prior to this one about getting mentors or getting, getting help. It's very important to choose the help you get wisely. Um, you don't want to choose the blind leading the blind. But that's where outside consulting comes in. You know, Jim Rohn, a, the uh, famous business philosopher, said, we can all use a little coaching. When you're playing the game, it's hard to think of everything. And many salespeople spend major time on minor things during the year, and they sweat the last quarter of the year you know, trying to make their goals. But like great athletes, anyone who's trying to move their product sales forward needs to someone on the sideline to guide them through the sales process and, and provide a second set of eyes on client situations, whether that is a hired sales manager or a VP, VP of sales that from, on an inside consultant or an outside consultant. It's important to get help in the process because you can't see everything that's going on. Uh, now, oftentimes in smaller entrepreneurial companies, management's not available for this you know, hands-on coaching. Uh, they may be a sounding board, but it's usually quick. And that's where somebody comes in who does sales coaching because they're able to go out in the field with people and use those as training opportunities so that they can improve their communication styles. Now, in some companies, that means a, a salesperson or the person responsible for sales needs to, you know, pick up the ball and, and go out and find help themselves, and that's certainly all right. Uh, it's whether someone's a solopreneur or an entrepreneur or in an organization that has, you know, formalized sales structure. It's just important to have, you know, those coaches that can help them. And there's there's a whole skill base, as you know, Marsha, because you're a coach, there's a whole skill set around coaching. And so it's important to find somebody who has that as a skill set. Right. You know, it's time for our short break. Um, uh, this, and when Nancy comes back, she will wrap up. But this is Marsha Zidal, the Smart Moose Coach. You're listening to the Business Edge on Voice America's Business Channel. So, A short break, and then Nancy will be back with her last final comments. Find out which guests are being featured this week. Read our network press releases and read the blog posts from your favorite hosts. Go to iradioblog.com today. Powered by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. If you currently or aspire to serve on a board or work in a leadership capacity for or with a public or nonprofit organization, where can you turn to get the best advice and practices? How about Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. and Jenny Frumer? Our program discusses challenges facing both public and nonprofit leaders. 
Don't miss these practical solutions and tips to enhance your leadership style and effectiveness. Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. and Jenny Frumer airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Business Edge with Marsha Zidle. To reach Marsha or her guests on today's show, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send us an email to Marsha at smartmovescoach.com. Now, back to The Business Edge. Well, we're at the end of the program uh, Nancy, you've done a wonderful job uh, in terms of communicating to our listeners the five deadly sales mistakes people make. Um, what are the last a couple things you would like to say before we move on? Well, I wanted to leave your listeners some, with some information for uh, ways that they can can get follow-on knowledge on this topic. Uh, I want to invite uh, everyone to go to my website, uh, correctcourseconsulting.com, and I do have a blog that where I outline a lot of my uh, knowledge and research in this arena, and I do a, a lot of research as well as uh, work with you know scores of clients to help them with improving their sales process. Um, I have an upcoming podcast series called Sound Judgment Selling, and to subscribe, they can send an email to Kramer at correctcourseconsulting.com, and that's Kramer with a C, just like Correct Course Consulting, so it's four C's, Kramer at correctcourseconsulting.com, and uh, and there they can can enroll for my uh, my podcast. You know, my call to action for you, for the listener, is to open up to meeting new people. Be open to the opportunities. You never know when you meet someone if they're going to be able to either be a client or link you to somebody who may know somebody who could be somebody who could know a client. So be open to how the world works with the uh, six degrees of separation. Also, Produce a procedure for your ideal work calendar. Know what you're going to do when so that you you have it blocked out that you're, you're going to get things done. And this will reduce the stress in your day and it will give you more energy so that you can be more creative with your clients. Listen when people are talking. You know, allow them the opportunity to be heard. That's real important. And then suspend judgment so that you can consider, you know, other possible meanings and responses. And then the last part of the call to action is to get good coaching. I'll leave you with one quote from Patricia Fripp. Uh, Patricia Fripp is a uh, professional speaker and uh, trainer, and she's been very active um, in the uh, business philosophy and, and sales community. And she says, you know, it's not your customer's job to remember you. It's your obligation and your responsibility to make sure that they don't have the chance to forget you. With that, this is Nancy Kramer with Correct Course Consulting. Marsha, thank you so much for having me on your show. Well, thank you for being here. And now it's time for what I'm calling Marsha's Musings. Tips, trends, occasional tirades and stories. Things that I think are important for you to know. Uh, so I'm going to do so, something very short right now. Um, are you aware of this famous African proverb about a lion and a gazelle? 
Well, every morning in Africa, a gazelle awakens. He has only one thought on his mind, to be able to run faster than the fastest lion. If he cannot, then he will be eaten. At the same time, every morning in Africa, a lion awakens. He has only one thought on his mind, to be able to run faster than the slowest gazelle. If he cannot, he will die of hunger. Whether you choose to be a gazelle or a lion is of no consequence. It's enough to know that when the sun is rising, you must run. And you must run faster than you did yesterday or you will die. This is the race of business. But success is more than running faster. It's running faster to what's important. Steve Jobs, the deceased CEO of Apple Computer, said, People think focus means saying yes to the things you have to work on. But that's not what it means at all. It means saying no to the hundred of other good ideas that there are out there. You have to pick carefully. So my smart moves questions for you to think about the coming week are these. Are you picking carefully? In other words, what do you, what do you say yes to? And what do you say no to? Are the things you say yes to, are they moving you and your business in the direction you want? Are there some yeses that you should say no to? Are there some no's that you should reconsider and say yes to? Bottom line, are you keeping the main things the main thing? Listeners, um, I'd be delighted to hear from you about your successes and also your stumbling blocks. What are the main things that you are pursuing? Are you, are you achieving those main things? You know, email me. This is Marcia, M-A-R-C-I-A at smartmovescoach.com. That's S-M-A-R-T-M-O-V-E-S coach.com. I will also send you a Get the Edge ebook with 101 success tips on how to grow your business. Or you can go directly to smartmovescoach.com and click on success tips. Hope to, so for next week, let me bring on our next week's guest. He's Michael Rose and his topic is structuring business for ROI. Michael, um, welcome. Are you on? Yes, Marcia, I'm here. Okay. I know you're going to be talking about your book, ROE, Powers ROI, The Ultimate Way to Think and Communicate for Ridiculous Results. Can you give a little sort of teasers and tidbits about what you're going to be talking about next week? I sure can. And first of all, I'm really excited to talk to you next week and your audience. But uh, next week, we will talk about the uh, the new organizational chart. And I believe that the, the top-down model is antiquated, uh, especially when trying to execute a vision. Um, if you really want to grow your business, uh, you must understand which hat to wear and when and how to mentor someone so that so so to focus on the big or bigger picture yourself that's when businesses or business owners really start to see some growth and scale in their businesses but sitting in different seats and wearing many different hats is i believe sucking the passion out of people and really killing really great business ideas well you know you you know you talked about 
sucking the passion out of people. I mean, in the work I do, when I find someone who is passionate, I love working with them. But I find that so many people out there, for whatever reason, aren't, don't have that passion. Is that something you're going to be talking about next week? Absolutely. And, and really, it's, it's the entrepreneur or the leader that generally, in most cases, has the most passion in the organization. And when he or she doesn't feel like the rest of the organization is aligned to the vision or aligned to that passion, that's where they start to get a little frustrated and then start to focus in the business instead of staying outside and focusing on the business. So we will we'll spend a lot of time on passion and a lot of time on vision and trying to keep both of those at a very, very high rate. And the one last thing is, um, can you st- about 30 seconds or so on return on energy? Because I love that concept. What do you mean by that? Sure. Return on energy is 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 the energy behind your people and particularly the energy behind you as, as an owner or, or a leader or a manager within the organizations. Um, we walk around with the wrong titles all the time, so it's very difficult uh, to, to uh, think and communicate in the world today as it relates to the amount of energy and the amount of, of information coming to us at light speed. So making sure that we're sitting in the right seats, communicating and thinking the right way, uh, within the organization and making sure that everything is aligned so we can al- ultimately accomplish the vision as a, as a team or as a group of people. Um, you know, I am just looking forward to this so much, um, Michael, and uh, any one 30-second tidbit you'd like to, to, to end with before we t- end the show? Um, well, speaking of vision, uh, you know, vision comes, uh, evolves, I believe, from passion. And vision, uh, as I like to think, is, is non-describable. Um, and I equate vision to, to music. And um, music uh, is, is not describable. You cannot describe sound. Uh, you have to play it. You have to play the instrument in order to know what that music sounds like. So, as sound is indescribable, I believe vision for our businesses is indescribable. Well, we'll you know, Michael, I'm going to say thank you so much. I look forward to hearing from or talking with you next week. And I want to thank everyone for listening. Tune in next week at 11 uh, Pacific for the Business Edge with Marsha Zeidel, the Smart Moves executive coach and speaker, helping entrepreneurs and business leaders take their company, firm, or practice to that next level with less stress and more success. In other words, how to take the growing pains out of growth. One final thought. If you keep doing what you're always done, you'll always get what you've always gotten. Start doing something different this week to keep moving forward. Make smart moves. Thank you. You've been listening to The Business Edge with Marsha Zeidel. Please join us again next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And enjoy taking your business to the next level. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 